Uh, y'all believing with me? Yep. All right, let's uh, pray and jump into it. Life of God, part 18. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the anointing. I thank you for giving me utterance. Father, I thank you for giving each individual here a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word, that you enlighten the eyes of understanding, give each individual specific rhema, exactly what they need to hear to make course corrections in life so that we can enjoy all the riches on our life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go to the first one for me. 1 John 5 and verse 11, it says this, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, perpetual Zoe, and this life is in His Son. He's already given it to us. It's not when we get to heaven that we get it. We got it right now. Go to the next one, Sean. We saw that there's three different kinds of life in the Greek New Testament. We saw bios is natural life. It's temporary plant life, animal life. We get the word biology from it. Suke, that's your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. It is immortal. It means it doesn't die. It doesn't cease to exist. And then we saw the life of God, Zoe, is eternal. It's brand new every instant. And that resides in your spirit. Go to the next one for me. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 10 says, It's always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, the Zoe also of Jesus, might be made manifest in our body. I love this verse, and uh, you know what? I, I really get, I really get tired of hearing ministers and people in the body of Christ talk doom and gloom, and talk sickness and death, and oh, and it's just God, if it's God's will, He'll take me to heaven wherever He wants. He wants you to have the same life that Jesus has right now in your body. Can you kill Jesus? Then you can't kill you, if the Bible's true. There's resistance to that, but see, it's all up to you. It's what you do with the gift of eternal life. It's yours. You can, it's just like if I gave you a car. I know I keep saying it, but there, there's so much resistance to you. Even now, in our culture, even in here, in our society today, we think that we have to die because that's what we've always been taught. Do you know why people die in the covenant? Because they give up. They disengage. They get tired. And you know what? I understand that. There's days when I don't feel like getting out of bed. And if you have a string of those days and you're in pain, that someday you'll just be like what Paul said. You know what? I'm in between two places here. I'm in a tight spot. I'm in a tight spot. I'm in a tight spot. I can, it's better for me, easier for me to go to heaven. But it's better for everybody else around me if I stay here, if I don't disengage in the fight. See, if, you, if you're tired, then you will disengage and go on to heaven. Because it's easier. Who doesn't want to be there? I mean, come on. So listen, the life of Jesus might or might not be made manifest in our body, but I want, if the Bible says that it might be mine, it's up to me. If there's a possibility that the life that Jesus had would be made mine right now in my body, then I want that. I'm not being greedy. I didn't make this up. I didn't think it up. The Bible's telling me that it belongs to me and it's part of my covenant. I want it. Why wouldn't you want all the benefits that are available to you? If you went on a cruise and they did include the free liquor package, wouldn't you want to go drinking if it was free? Wouldn't you want to know? Like, you know, well, the liquor might be free or it might not be. It's up to you. It's already available to you. It's whether you drink it or not. I'm just trying to make it plain and practical for us. That's the best one I could think up on the spot. That everybody would go, woohoo, open bar free? On a cruise where nobody's looking? Amen. Listen, that's the same thing. It's available to you to have the life that Jesus had right now in your body. You don't got to die. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be broke. You know, I get tired of saying it, but you know what? The pressure on the outside world on us is that you do have to be. That's the pressure. And part of my job is to push back on that pressure and create that bubble for you to give you enough space inside there so that you can grow and get the covenant for yourself. Go to the next one. We saw this in 2 Peter 1 and verse 2. Now, I've streamlined the review. <laughs> Should I bust Jennings out? Last week he was emailing during the review because he'd heard it so many times that he was emailing me the review back. No. But... <laughs> So, and then Kimmy said, it, it, you know, it's hard work for you. I said, you're right. I just got to dump some of this stuff. So I streamlined it, okay? So the review will be really quick, all right? So here we go. Second Peter 1 and verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the next one. According to his divine, God, the Godhead's power, he has given unto us all things that pertain to life, Zoe, and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to what? Glory, Glory and 
virtue, which we know is what? Valor, right? Remember that? Okay. Maybe I need to not streamline review. And whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, or that you be equal partners with the Godhead, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, I don't want to skip over that. Because having escaped the corruption. I mean, no, sickness and disease is just your body being corrupted. This says that by these precious promises, you get to escape that. You don't got to get older and crickety and crackety. You get older and become a supermodel. I can't wait to get... The older I get, the easier it is for me to have supermodel abs. Let me know right now. Because by the time I'm 60 and I still look like this with the Zoe life of God, I'm golden. And I can't wait till I'm 80 and I look like this with the Zoe life of God, you know I'm looking pretty good at 80. You, you know what I'm saying? The competition gets way easier. It does. Go to the next one. Verse 5. And besides this, these great and precious promises, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity or agape. Go to the next one. For if these nine things be in you and they abound, they make you that you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the next one. But he that lacks these nine things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Listen, if you don't stay up with these nine things, you're going to forget that you escaped the corruption that is in the world and you'll think that your body has to decay. The first time symptoms come on you or those pains and aches come on you, if you're not doing these nine things, you know what? You're likely to tolerate it. And then pretty soon your toleration will turn into succumb to it. And succumb to it will turn into death because the wages of sin or settling for less than God's perfect will is. Right? So the paycheck for you not doing these nine things is that you will die. Is it good? Yeah, better in heaven, but not good for us that, that would experience all the stuff that you have to give here on the planet. We wouldn't experience your Zoe. Verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these nine things, you shall never fall. And it says you won't fail or stumble in the Greek. Go to the next one. Verse 11, For thus shall be richly supplied unto you, these nine things, richly supplied unto you the entrance of the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These nine things are the entrance. You get inside that kingdom, there is no death in there. You understand? There's no sickness in there that can stay there. There's no lack that can stay there. Is there? No. When it comes up against Jesus, it's got to go. Which is funny because when Jesus was here on the earth, when He said, now come, here's the kingdom of God, and it was Him, and He was the only one in the kingdom at that point. You know, he was the only one that His Spirit was alive. He's the only one in the kingdom when He showed up. Okay? That's pretty lonely, right? Did you... The people that were in covenant, they didn't recognize it. You know who recognized it? The demons. They were all like, Son of God, why are you coming to throw us in the pit early? They, couldn't, they knew exactly who He was and they backed off every time. They, one of them even quoted the Word of God. Supplicated, cited a higher authority and said, I adjure you by God, leave me alone, it's not your time yet. That's pretty funny, isn't it? That a, a demon's quoting God's word to get Jesus off his back? You know what that tells me? That inside the entrance of the kingdom, this stuff cannot stand. It's going to run. And beg, please leave me alone. P please? Go to the next one. Verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these nine things, even though you know them, and you be established in the present truth, yeah, I think it is meet or right as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Go to the next one. All right, now here's the review. Verse 5 gives us this list of these nine things. And we've been through five of them and we're working on the sixth one. So, besides this, giving all diligence. You all remember diligence, right? Jesus equated it to faithfulness. Okay? And we need to prioritize the things that we're going to be diligent or faithful in. Because you can't be faithful in everything. Right. Don't beat yourself up over it. Just prioritize what you're going to be faithful in. Amen? He said, then add to that faith. Remember, faith is the absolute trust and certainty in another, and I said it should be God. Aren't I doing so good without those slides? See, you thought I needed them. <laughs> I know the review. Amen. Right? And remember, what the opposite of faith is that we lack confidence, or we're unsure, or we're suspicious, or we're skeptical. We just don't know. 
Because, you know, if something's too good to be true, it probably... That's not in the Bible, remember, right? There'll be a lot of people tell you riches, honor, and life. What? I don't have to do... What? It's a gift? The life of Jesus is a gift? That's too good to be true, right? Who's going to believe that report? Well, if you do believe it, then you get the benefits of it. So then we need to add to our faith. Remember, it's not just about once we get to that jump where we do believe that God's Word is true, then we have to add to our faith virtue or valor, and that's where our boldness or our courage to go do what He told us that we are able to do. Remember Joshua and Caleb? We are well able to go up there and whoop those giant tinies. No, we're not. Okay, well, you're not, then you're not. You are, you are. What's that thing? If you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right too. It's not about what I think, though. It's what God said. God said, I can. It's over. Forrest Gump it. Add to our virtue or our valor knowledge. We don't want to go in there blind. We need information before we go running in there. Remember Caleb? He knew what the defenses of that city were. He knew who he was facing. And he said, and I'll, and I'll give it to me. He didn't go in there without knowing the information up front. Now remember, how do we get knowledge? Is that your heart stirs you up to come do the work. Remember that? From Exodus 36? When they were building the tabernacle? God said He put the know-how into every wise-hearted man's heart. And He said every wise-hearted man was those that their heart stirred them up to come do the work. Not to know how to do it, but to actually do it. Then we add to that. we got knowledge and we got our boldness and we know that we, you know, we, we absolutely trust God and we've been faithful in the right stuff and diligent. He says, now add to that knowledge temperance or self-discipline or self-control or the ability to master yourself, dominate yourself. Remember we talked about having a training plan and not running aimlessly or without a definite aim, which most Christians do. You've got to get yourself a training plan and stick to it. Because we don't want to go into battle without the proper training. Do you? Do you, and if you get the proper training, do you want the guy or the girl sitting next to you on the line having no training? I want them trained. I want to know that the person next to me on the line and two down and three down and five down, that we're all trained and we're all disciplined. Because I don't want to go into a fight with somebody that, that's going to cut and run on me. Which brings us to patience is where we are. We're in the fight at this point. All of these other five things are leading up to you getting into the fight. Listen, if you don't have diligence and you don't have faith and valor and knowledge and temperance, you're not doing a training plan, you ain't in the fight yet. You're not even in the fight. Most Christians, they think they're in the fight off the first one. You ain't in the fight. God's not going to put you in battle without you being ready. Do you remember that from all the way back when it said they took the children of Israel the long way through the desert, not the short way through the Philistines when they came out of Egypt because they might turn back because of war? So we went the long way around. Do you all remember that? About ten weeks ago? So now we come to patience. Go to the next one. We saw this, that patience is the quality that refuses to give up, that you are unmovable, you are established, rooted, and grounded, and you are settled, anchored. The opposite of that is if you waver or vacillate, you're unstable, insecure, easily unsettled, if you're unnerved, confused, bewildered, flustered, and all these things cause you to draw back. Now this is really what we're going to hone in on today because if you have patience, the quality that refuses to give up, if you are rooted and grounded, you are not going to draw back. I don't care, and again I said this last week, if you get your nose bloodied, we don't draw back. If we get a cut over our eye and it's bleeding out, fine. Put a little piece of tape on it or whatever and get back in the ring. We don't draw back. Look over here in uh, Hebrews 10 and verse 38. Now remember, we read Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please Him. Do you all remember that? For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You all remember that? Now, just a few verses above that, in Hebrews 10 and verse 38, Paul says this, Now the just shall live by faith. That's the righteous. That's the word righteous or equity, just. That's the same Greek word as righteous. So those who have equity will live by how? Faith. And we know that without faith it's impossible to please God. We've got to believe that he's a rewarder. He said, but if any man does what? Draw back. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. 
So listen, I know that without faith it's impossible to please God, but I also know now from reading this verse that if I draw back, that God has no what? Pleasure in me. Did you see that? So draw, if you want to be on God's good side, right? You want to keep all your brownie points? Then don't do what? Draw back. See, you work hard to believe God, and that pleases Him. That flips His happy switch, and oh, He's thrilled with you. Well, you get, up, you get up to this point in life where you've done these first five things, and now we're at six, we're in the fight. Don't draw back, because He takes no pleasure in you drawing back. Which means that He takes no pleasure in you drawing back. He'll never put you on the front line if, he, if you're not ready. He's not going to set you up for failure. My God's good. Your God's good. He's your father. He's your daddy. He would never put you in a position where you would draw back without having all the tools and all the equipment, all the training, all the discipline, and these first five things. He'll never set you up without you being in a spot where he don't think you're going to draw back. He'll take you the long way around until you're ready. Right? Y'all see that? So, how is it that we don't draw back? How do I keep myself from drawing back in the fight? Because how many know... Most Christians, just most people, but, but Christians I want to hone in because I'm not really worried about people that aren't in the covenant. I'm, you know, whatever. They're not even in the covenant. Let's talk about people that are going after riches, honor, and life. Most of us are afraid of getting hit and getting a bloody nose in life. We will do whatever we can do to avoid getting a bloody nose. Now listen, is a bloody nose really that big of a deal? No, but you know what we'll do is because we're afraid to get a bloody nose, we'll end up with cancer or we'll end up bankrupt or we'll end up being in the middle of a bad marriage because we're afraid of getting our nose bloody, because we're afraid of getting in the fight and we'll draw back. People are like, what? Don't worry, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll explain that out. But you know, I always make these statements and I back them up with Scripture, right? I wouldn't be dumb enough to make them if I didn't have Scripture to back them up first. But that, isn't that what we do? We're afraid. We, we back. And so what happens is go to the next one. In Hebrews 6 and verse 11, this is, this is the Scripture. See, we, we read it one way, but I'm going to read it. The, the Scripture says it's a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. We're going to do the upcut today. Verse 11 in Hebrews 6 says, And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the what? End. That means you don't back off until the end. That you don't be slothful or lazy, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So that I know that if you draw back, you're not acting in patience. And if you're not acting in patience, you draw back, you're afraid to get your nose bloody. This says that you will never do what? Inherit the what? You'll never obtain possession of them. If you draw back, you will not get these promises in your hand. Do they belong to you? Yes. Will you obtain them? No. If you're afraid to get your nose bloody, you'll end up getting cancer or some other AIDS or the staph infection or whatever else. And maybe you'll be lucky enough to be one of those ones who get through life without it. But that's really what the body of Christ thinks, that you're just lucky enough. And we don't like to use that word, but that's really what everybody's thinking. That, whew, ha, I, guess I, I guess God didn't notice me because He didn't teach me that with cancer. Right? You know, right? Because oh, that's what's taught in the body of Christ, that if you don't have these promises because they're written in there, it's because God's trying to teach you something. Here's what God's trying to teach you. Don't draw back until the when. Until the what? Verse 11 in purple. When do we stop? At the end. When you have it in your hand. I don't care if I get a bloody nose doing a business deal trying to get riches for my kids. Because that's who we're getting them for, isn't it? For your legacy. Somebody say, well, I don't have kids. Don't worry. Get them now and you'll get them. Then you'll be ahead of us that already have kids and are struggling to get riches for them and have to tell them no. You'll be in a much better spot because you could just hand it to them. What a boy, what a great boy. I tell you what, I'd be thrilled if I could just hand my kids riches and they'd never knew anything other than riches, honor, and life. But I've got to, you know, struggle to get that. You know, I'm, I won't draw back until I can. And you know what? They'll still remember what it was like and so their, their kids will not have to. Don't back off of this stuff. And I'll tell you, and the Bible's very clear that it's for a legacy. We'll get to that too later. Go to the next one. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch you stand fast in the faith and quit you like men, or act like a man, cowboy up and be strong. I said this is a working definition of patience. Finding a way to stay in the fight long enough to win. Finding a way to stay in the fight long enough to win. 
It doesn't have to be ugly. And listen, I'm going to tell you, it hurts when you're in a fight. Do not, guess what? The other person's hurting too. The enemy is hurting too if you don't cut and run. Don't worry. The, the pain that you're going through is nothing. The bloody nose will dry up and you'll forget all about it in about three hours. Anybody have a bloody nose any time in life? It's kind of salty and sweet, right? Doesn't really hurt. Oh, wow. Huh. Y'all following this? See, but we're so afraid of it. We're more afraid of what's coming than actually what's there. Roosevelt said you have nothing to fear but fear itself and that's really true. Remember when Jesus was in the garden we saw that last week that he wavered and he cried with fearful tears and as soon as he made the decision that not my will but yours Father the fear was over he went into it. Did you notice when he's in the middle of getting beat and spit on and all that he ain't quaking, quivering, nothing is he? No. Valor. Didn't even answer him. Didn't say you'll get yours. Right? He didn't say any of that. Go to the next one. Now we saw this last week, and I'm going to use it as a springboard because we saw that to have patience, we need to remember talk about that military culture and get in the line and shoulder to shoulder and shield to shield, get in the phalanx. This is Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we, remember we, not you, but we, if you're going to not draw back, it's got to be we. If it's just you individually, I'm telling you right now, you will draw back. If you're standing alone, you're going to draw back. You get shoulder to shoulder with other people that will not let you quit when you feel like it. Now you're going to win. Since we are saying we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Let us run with patience, the quality that refuses to give up, the race that is set before us. That means we're running it how? Together. Did you see that? Go to the next one. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. This is how we do it. This is how we run our race with patience. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured or had fortitude, He persevered the cross, despising, deeming unworthy of His attention the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's look to Jesus. You know what did He do? What did He do? He looked at the victory at the end that was set on the other side of Him. And he said, whatever he's going through with the cross is not even worthy of his attention. You see that? So here's a key on what we do is we don't focus in on the bloody nose or the pain or, oh, what's going to happen or, they, you know, that's a, we don't focus in on that. What we focus on is riches, honor, and life. We focus on the joy that is set before us. Think how much joy you'll have when you have unlimited resources to just go help out people. Think how much joy that will bring you. Where, just think about your family who don't really believe and they think that you're nuts. You go pay off their house for them. How much joy is that? Man, that's a great Christmas. Wouldn't it be great for Christmas this year I'm paying off everybody's mortgage? How much joy is that going to bring? A lot. You know, and all your brothers and sisters told you you'd never make it? And your mom and daddy? Oh, and bring me a Pepsi. You'll never amount to nothing. Right? Throw mama from the train. Everybody's looking at me like, what? Never mind. Right? No, how much joy? Let's see, despise all that. That's not worthy of your attention. You ain't going to make it. That's not worthy of your attention, whatever they say, or the naysayers, or the killjoys. Go with the joy. Forget the killjoy. Go with the joy. This is what Jesus did. Go to the next one. For consider Him. So let's, let's think about Him for a minute. Who endured. That's the same word as patience. He refused to give up such a contradiction or a nasty opposition of sinners against himself. Lest you, ye, actually says ye, be wearied and faint in your minds. Now what's the difference between ye and you in the King James? Ye is plural. It means y'all. So if it was the southern version, it says lest y'all be wearied and faint in your minds. So it's everybody together. So what we want to do is, listen, whenever you're feeling uh, like I'm done with this, then let's think about Jesus. Did He say, I'm done with this? And I want the life that Jesus had in my body. Remember, that's the goal, Zoe. And if Jesus said, I'm not done with this, then I'm not saying I'm done with this because I want the same life that He had. I want it. And so I'm going to do what Jesus did. And I don't care how nasty the opposition is. And remember, the sinners that were against Him, it wasn't the, you know, 
the cussing, drinking, smoking, chewing, and those a do crowd, who was it that was really against him? The religious people. That's who were the sinners. Go to the next one. I'd much rather hang out with wicked folk, to be honest with you, than Christians who have no clue about their covenant and don't want nothing to do. Why are you even a believer? Well, what's the point? If it's just going to be doom and gloom, look, i got enough problems of my own. I don't need your God hooking me up with all those problems. Right. Verse 4. You have not yet resisted. Remember we saw that that was a military term that says set down troops against. You have not set down troops against unto blood. That means we get hurt, doesn't it? We're willing to stand against getting a bloody nose, striving, antagonizing, or to cause a problem with hostility against sin. And we saw that sin was settling for less than God's perfect will. Not cussing, drinking, smoking, and chewing. Sin means that you settled for less than God's perfect will. And what's God's perfect will? Riches, honor, and life. And so we're not going to settle for less than that. And I'm going to, not only am I not going to settle, I'm going to set troops down against it, and I'll stand against lack and sickness until I get a bloody nose. And not only that, I'm going to take it one step further, and I'm going to go antagonize lack. I'm going to go antagonize sickness. Now guess what? Sickness isn't fighting me. I mean, I'm not fighting sickness. Sickness is fighting me. You have, oh, I'm fighting off sickness. No, sickness is trying to fight me, and it's losing. And now, you know what, how do you antagonize lack? With what? What would it take to antagonize lack? Riches, money. You, somebody's in poverty, you want to antagonize poverty? Go raise their standard of living for them. That's what the church should be doing. Not government. In fact, the Bible is clear that we should go bail governments out. Lend to many nations. We're going to go, uh, the church should be buying government's debt, not the other way around. Now, go to the next one. Once you're in the phalanx, once it's all of us shoulder to shoulder, once we've done that, we've set the line, we're willing to get bloody, right? We're willing to go forward and take new ground. And we've considered Jesus. Now, each of us, that's together. Now, each of us has a responsibility in the line individually. Right? Y'all follow that? Because, I mean, at any time, anybody in the line could cut. Now, there's a hole in the line. Now, now that's a problem, isn't it? Mike and I were talking the other day, and uh, on 300, another clip was where, remember the deformed guy? And he came, there was a deformed guy. He was a Spartan, his dad was a Spartan or whatever, and so they taught him all the moves. And so he went to King Leonidas and he said, my spear thrust is great. And he said, all right, well, hold your shield up. And he couldn't get the shield up past his waist. And Leonidas said, I can't use you because it's your shield that protects the guy to you to the left. So this guy, he was trained, he, was, he had the right attitude, he had everything, but he could not get his shield up, so he couldn't protect the guy to the left. So he couldn't get on the line. He took it kind of hard. But here's the deal. Could you put, I mean, could, could King Leonidas in really good conscience put that guy on the line? No, because the guy to the left of him would be cannon fodder. So everybody on the line has a responsibility to keep your shield up. To hold your position in the line. Doesn't everybody have that in for you not to cut? It's easier when we're in a line for us not to cut and run. But you still have to have an individual responsibility that you personally don't cut and run. Because you're going to let everybody else down. Psalm 78. And verse 5 says this, For he established a testimony in Jacob, and he appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, and even the children which should be born and should arise and declare them unto their children. Do you see how this perpetuates? It's not just for you. It's for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Now look, He said He established a testimony. Remember that witnesses testify to the truth as they know it. Do you know what the testimony was that He established in Jacob? the Red Sea, the ten plagues. That's what he's talking about. Manna, quail, Jordan splitting, walls of Jericho falling. He said, you know what? You remember them. You tell them to your kids. They should tell them to their kids and on and on and on. They were talking about what is your responsibility in the line? Verse uh, 7. Go to the next one. That they, 
This is everybody that's you and everybody that comes after you. That they may set their hope. Remember what hope is? Is confidence. That they may set their confidence in who? God. And not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. What are commandments? Rhema. Spoken word. Go to the next one. And verse 8 says, And might not, (laughs) which means they might also, be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Boy, I wonder who he's talking about. Could it be those cats that said we be not able? Uh Uh-huh, it's those guys. He said that they wouldn't be that way. A generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. (laughs) Then Then he just calls out this one tribe. I mean, just calls them out. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Now I know that his soul has no pleasure in them that draw back. That patience is the quality that refuses to give up. It's that you hold the line that you're rooted and grounded that you don't draw back. He said, don't be like those guys that drew back. They were armed. Not only did they have swords, they had bows. They had sniper rifles. That's what bows were in the day, right? Long range, reach out and touch someone. It was AT&T calling. Right? That's what the bows were. He said, don't be like them. So what does each individual have to do? Go to the next one. This is how you as an individual, what your responsibility is on the line to stay in the fight. This is how you stay in the fight. It's at verse 7. It says that they might set their confidence in God, not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments in His room. So here's the two things that you as an individual have to do to hold the line is remember God's works, and that is recalling your past victories while you're on the line. You remember all the times that you won, that God showed up. And number two is that you've got to remember God's Word, and remember that His commandments are rhema. That's the spoken Word. It's the thing that God told you that you need to remember while you're in the line. Because if you don't remember that, what's the reason for you being in the line? If you don't remember that God told you to get in this fight, you're not going to stay in that fight. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Let's talk about this recalling your past victories first. Go to the next one. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9, I want you to remember, these is the, he's talking to the crew now that are getting ready to go in. It's the next generation. We're all over about nine months before crossing the Jordan River to take Jericho. So who's he talking to is the next crew, the second generation. Not the ones that said we be not able. It's the kids of the ones that said we be not able. And they've been out there eating manna for 40 years. Good job, daddies. Right? You screwed your kids over. Now he's talking to the kids. Take heed to who? Thyself. Now we're talking about an individual now. You take heed to your own self. Pay attention to your own self and watch your soul, that's your mind, will, and emotions, exceedingly. Does that mean just a little bit? Keep an eye on it? No, you take that pulse every second. What's my mind, will, and emotions doing? What's my mind, will, and emotions doing? What's my mind, will, and emotions doing? This is how you hold the line. Because look, it ain't your flesh that's going to cut and run on you. If you've, if you've had temperance, if you've trained your body, if you've, trained your, you've dominated your flesh, your flesh will not cut and run on you. What's going to cut and run on you is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind's going to say, what are we doing here? And your will's going to be, I don't know. And your emotions say, I don't feel like being here today. And then you'll cut. And then your body will run because you've trained it to run. Lest, now why are we going to keep watching on our mind, will, and emotions? Lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen. Now remember, this next generation, anybody who was 19 years and younger did not die. So, that means the 19-year-olds that uh, saw the Red Sea split are waiting for everybody else to die so that they could go in. Weren't you glad your birthday was, you were not 20? You'd be hanging out with the boys and a 20-year-old, he could have died in the wilderness and you're getting some. I'm getting my inheritance. Too bad for you. Right? These guys have saw it. They were kids when they saw this stuff. I mean, that would be a pretty big deal if you're five years old walking through the Red Sea. Would you remember that? 
I remember what Santa brought me at five. I can remember the Red Sea. <laughs> Got this little Charlie McCarthy doll with a... Never mind. He said, so keep an eye on your mind, will, and emotions lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen unless they turn aside from your heart all... How many days do you have to remember this? All the days of your life. So every day you've got to remember what your eyes have seen for victories. Now, he's talking to people that saw the Red Sea. I didn't see the Red Sea, but I have things in my life that I knew that God showed up at and saved my butt. Did everybody think about the time where you go, well, that was a miracle? Yeah. That was God showing up there. Just start remembering those. I sit down one day with a little notebook or just a scratch piece of paper and start writing down your victories. Because he's telling you that you remember all those victories all the days of your life. Every day, you should be remembering victories. How many know if you, got, you ain't got much time to be worrying about too much stuff if you're remembering all your victories? And the more you get, the less time you've got to be worrying about how it's going to go wrong. He said, and you have made them known to your sons and to your sons' sons. So here's your job. Your job is to remember them all the days of your life and also tell all your victories to your kids and all your victories to your grandkids so that they have something to draw from. Till your kids start getting victories of their own under their belt. Until the grandkids start getting victories of their own under their belt. And if you don't have any victories, get with somebody that has some and hear their stories. Tell me your victories till you start getting some under your belt. But I'll tell you what, even people that aren't in covenant can remember times where it was a miracle that God showed up in their life. Do you know that God, because God wants everybody in covenant. Do you know that, right? It says He's willing that none should perish. He'll take people that have nothing to do with Him, want nothing to do with Him, and He'll pull their hiney fat out of the fire. Why? Because He's a good God. Do you all realize that? And there will be people who are like, it was a miracle. Yup. And still not getting the covenant. I don't understand that. But So what that tells me though is that everybody should recognize sometime, even if you don't believe in Jesus, that there was a higher power out there that saved your butt at some point in time. If that's all you can think of, then get, write that one down. Then move on to the next one. And when you get in covenant, there will be another one. And another one, and every day there's one. Every day there's one where there's another victory. If you look for it, there's another victory every day. God will show up every day with pulling your butt out of the fire. That's how we're still surviving after this long. Kimmy and I. Seriously, every day. I know that He's going to show up. And you know what? Because I know He showed up all this time. Now I'm 40 years old. He showed up. He hadn't drop kicked me yet. Why do I think that tomorrow is going to be the day that He decides to drop kick me? He's not. Now I'm drawing back. You know what helps me not draw back? Remembering all the times that He showed up. This is our responsibility in the line for us to remember. Okay, go to the next one. Psalm 143. Now this is David when he's hiding in the cave from Saul. Saul, uh, David was anointed to be king. Saul was the king. right? God took the kingdom away from him. You know, and during the 17 years between David being anointed and David actually being king, Saul's trying to kill him. And he's hiding in a cave from Saul. Verse 1, he says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my supplications. You remember that from last week? That supplication is an appeal to a higher authority to cite or invoke God's word. He said, Listen, hear my appeal to your higher authority, to you, that in your faithfulness answer me and in your righteousness, your equity. Go to the next one. And enter not into judgment with your servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Listen to what he said. What he did is he invoked the covenant. He said, not that I'm good or not that I'm bad. Not that I did any checklist. He said, because no man living can be justified in your sight. Do you all know that that's true, right? So he doesn't say, look, you know, look how good I am. You know, I did all that stuff. You know, I didn't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew all doesn't do. You know, I fed the homeless. You know, I did, you know, my quiet time every day. I was there every time the doors opened to the church. No, he said, you know what? <laughs> Answer me according to your word, your higher judgment, to, to your faithfulness and your equity, your righteousness. Answer to me according to your covenant. Not according to what I did, but according to the covenant. So listen, this is a part of you standing in the line. So it ain't about what you did or what you didn't do in your past. Listen, God, you better show up and bring me the victory because of our covenant. Not because I deserve the win, 
Because you said it belongs to me, and I said, okay, and I entered into covenant, now show up. For the enemy, who? No, who? Who did it? Who's doing this to him? The enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten down my life to the ground, and he has made me dwell in darkness as those who have been living long dead. He's living in a cave because of who? Is God doing it to him? See, here's the other part of you standing in the line is you've got to recognize who your enemy is and who's doing this to you. God ain't making it. He's living in a tomb with dead people. That's where He's living. That's where the caves, the caves were for tombs and burying people. He's hiding there in the graveyard. I mean, He could have given up and not been king. Couldn't He have? Oh, this ain't working. I know I was anointed king. I was 17 years ago. I'm here in this cave with all these dead bodies and these bones in it. Is he complaining? No. He said, you know what, God? It's time calling in a covenant marker. Am I in covenant or not? So he's talking to himself. I'm in covenant, all right? Yeah, it's my enemy did this. And then he tells it to God. Now look at the next thing. Go to the next verse. Look what he does next. He said, therefore my spirit, because the enemy's doing this, my spirit is overwhelmed within me and my heart within me is desolate. Do you ever feel like that? Where life is coming, crashing down on you? You feel like, man, I'm living with dead. I'm in the graveyard here. And you just you're having a hard time. This is him. You know, he's, he's recognizing honest assessment that everything's not okay in my life. He's admitting to himself that we got some issues. So if you can't admit that you got issues, you're not going to be. On, you're not even going to be on the line. You're not in the fight. You're lying to yourself. He said, "Now watch. Now he recognizes that I'm I'm in I'm in deep doo doo. Is really what he's saying. I'm in over my head, God." Now, what does he do to get out of it? Verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works, and I muse on the works of thy hands. Now, I put up there on the slide in Hebrew what each one of those words means. I remember. So, here's the, watch how it builds. He remembers. He recounts the marked record. What's he doing? He recalls past victories. Do you know at this point in his life, he had killed the lion, he had killed the bear, he had killed Goliath, and he had killed tens of thousands of his enemy already. The Philistines. I mean, that's a pretty good track record. What are you doing in that cave, David? So what's he Man, my, you know, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. I'm living like dead I'm in the graveyard. My heart is desolate. What do I do? I recount the marked record. I remember my past victories. Now, he doesn't just remember them. He starts to meditate on them, which means to mutter to yourself. He's talking to himself under his breath. Yeah, I remember that time when I was at the line. Mm-hmm. And I remember that time the bear came. Yeah, and I got him. And then there was that Goliath, that big old fat guy. Yeah, and I got him. And I took his head off. And David saw So he's... And then, since that, you know, he's still in the cave, look around. Well, well, he kicks it up a notch. He's like Emerald. Bam, bam, right? He said, I muse or I converse with myself out loud on the works of thy hands. He starts talking to himself about all the stuff that God did. I remember, God, that lion came. He's saying it out loud. He ain't muttering anymore. He's telling himself out loud. Now, if you, you know, go in the, in the bathroom and turn the fan on, the shower on or whatever, so no one can hear you if you're feeling bad. But he's in a cave with dead people. What does he care? Go close the door in your office. They'll think you're on the cell phone. Oh, just put your earpiece in. Nowadays, you can just act like you're on the cell phone talking to yourself. Start talking to yourself out loud all the victories that God has brought you. Start rehearsing them out loud. Out loud. Because there's just something about saying it out loud to yourself. There's that time that that lion came again, and I beat the lion, and then I beat the bear, and I took that one little stone and I whipped it around and I beat the giant and then I cut his head off with his own sword. Then I got the king's daughter and I was tax free and all the pina coladas and right? You start remembering out loud and telling yourself out loud your victory. This is what you do to hold the line and not draw back. I mean, you start telling yourself out loud your brain when you're talking has to do what your brain your brain is going to stay on track with what you're saying. Y'all start in your mind, start counting backwards. In your mind, start counting backwards from 100. Y'all doing it in your mind? I'm thinking now 100, 99, 98, 97, 96. Now say your own name out loud. Say it out loud. What's your name? What number are you on? You're on 96. Did you stop counting? Okay, what happened? Because you opened your mouth and you stopped counting. Your brain had to shift. This is not rocket science. This stuff actually works. Go to the next one. Now, on the second half of this verse of Psalm 78 and verse 7 said that they might set their hope in God 
not to forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, which we know the commandments are spoken, and that's rhema. So here's the second thing. Not only are you going to recall your past victories to stay in the fight, but what you're going to do is recall the rhema that God gave you. This is why faith comes from hearing rhema and not the written word. Spoken word. God speaks directly to you. Now, all I can do is use the example that Kimmy and I have right now, and you can match it into your own life. I hate to tell stories, but it's the only way I can really illustrate this. God told Kimmy and I separately to start this church. And we waited four months before we even looked at each other and said, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it either. Four months. Then we waited another three months after that before we started the church. Are you being disobedient? No, what we're doing is making sure that we're sure that we're sure that I got Rhema and that she got Rhema, that God spoke to us and we know that the orders and what the assignment is to go do that. If I was not sure that I was sure that I was sure, just like I know the sun is coming up tomorrow and it came up this morning and it came up every day that I was on the planet, if I didn't know that, I would have cut and run a long time ago from doing this job. And so would my wife. Because he spoke to us both. Because look, after almost three years, we're still in an unfinished basement with a handful of people. Because in the natural, we should have cut and run a long time ago. Right? But because I know that I know that I know that God told me, do this, and he didn't tell me, stop... That's what keeps us in the fight and on the line. So listen, whatever you that's why I tell you, you better find out first what God's telling you before you go doing it. And so I was taught to walk this one out and walk that out and try this and try that. I don't just I mean, you know what, I have a Fletch resume now. I cut meat, I did the janitorial service, I did commercial diving, right? I sold insurance. Right? I mean, come on. Any job that you could name, I probably tried it for at least a day. So get with God and find out what He's telling you to do first before you get giddy up. Now remember, rhema isn't necessarily the heavens opening up and the angels going, whoa, and all that. Remember the conscience series. I'll reference the conscience series. The number one way that God talks to His children is that you perceive something. Right? That you perceive this is the right thing to do. Check that. Check it twice. Check it three times. When you're sure that this is the right thing to do and you know that that's God talking to you, then mark that down because you're going to need to remember it when you're in the fight later on. Because I know guys, and I'll just keep using this church issue, so you could plug in business or what school to go to or any of those things. You plug in whatever. But I know guys, they started a church and they ran out and they started a church because that's what they wanted to do and within six months, they quit. Well, did God tell you to start the church? Well, they said he did on the front end, but after six months and you didn't go the way you wanted to and then you cut, then God didn't tell you to start the church. If he did, then you're being disobedient. Did you all follow me? Then you drew back. Or you got into a fight that God never told you to get into and you had no business being up there. You know you can't win that fight. If you're, on, if you're in a fight that God never told you to get into, you can't win that one. Everybody realize that, right? Okay, I'll reference over here. Come over here to Numbers. Chapter uh, 14. Now this is right after the spies said we're not able and Caleb said we are able. And they said, would to God we died right here in the wilderness. Right? And then God said, okay, you are dying right here in the wilderness. I'll give you exactly what you said. Now look in verse 39 of Numbers 14. And Moses told these saying unto all these sayings unto all the children of Israel that you're going to die. God said, "Okay, I'm giving you what you wanted." And the people mourned greatly. Now they're sad. And they rose up early in the morning and they got them into the top of the mountain saying, "Lo, we be here, and we'll go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned." So now they're ready to go. After they found out what the consequences were. You kids ever do that? Right? Disobedient, disobedient. Okay, now you can't go. Oh no, okay, I'll do it now. That's what they're saying, right? 
And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it will not prosper. Don't you go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed, underline it, they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. So everybody leaves. Moses is sitting there with the ark. And the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill and they smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. God didn't tell, you know what? God told them to go do the fight the day before. No, we're not going. Oh, would to God that we were in Egypt or we died out here. Okay, die out here. No, we'll go now. And then they go. After Moses said, don't go. God's not with you. And they went into the fight and they died. Don't get into a fight that God didn't tell you to get into because you can't win that one. Were they invoking the name of the Lord? Were they invoking their covenant? Yeah, and they still died. Good lesson for many, many Christians. Because they presumed to go. After he told them, go, no, we're not going. Okay, don't go. Okay, now we'll go. Don't go, I'm not going. They went and they died. So you've got to know that you heard from God and then you've got to recall what he told you while you're in the middle of the fight. I mean, if they went the first time, then they, they, could, have, they could have stood on something. Like, God told us we're well able to do this so we could do it. Did you all see that? Read that whole chapter, Numbers 13 and 14 this week. See the whole story in context. After God tells them, no, okay, well, I'll give you exactly what you want. You'll die here. But you know what? I'm not, and they, said, they actually said that they wanted to give their kids over to death too. He said, no, your kids won't die. I'll save them. But you all die. The kids will go in when they get old enough. Then they, oh, no, we'll go now. No, 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 now's too late. Don't get into a fight that God didn't tell you to get into. So this is why you need to recall the rhema. This is how you don't draw back. This is why I'm telling you that you, people think that they're in the fight. They're not in the fight yet. They haven't done the first five things. If you haven't done the first five things, you know what? You're not here at this point where you can get in the fight and not draw back. You got into a fight that you shouldn't have been in. Is this helping anybody? Because this is why a lot of people fail in invoking God's name and invoking the covenant saying all the right Scriptures, and they still die. Because they didn't do the stuff that they needed to do on the front end. Go to the next one. Numbers 15. This is recalling what God told you to stay in the fight. Numbers 15 and verse 37. Now this is just a little bit later after we just read. The ones that didn't die up on that mountain... That said, no, we're going to go, and he said, no, don't go. Then they got discomfited to Hormah. Just a few verses later, verse 37, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes on the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a blue ribbon. You ever seen an Orthodox Jew with their prayer shawl? It's got fringes and blue ribbon on it. It's got a blue border with fringes. That's their prayer shawl. They still have it. You see, what he, this is God telling them to do this. Why? Go to the next one. <laughs> so it shall be unto you a fringe that you may look upon it and remember the commandments, the rhema of the Lord, and do them. So put these fringe on your little outfit so that you'll remember next time when I said don't go. Look down there and go, oh, look at that. This nice blue and the fringe. and I Oh, I better not go. Or that I told you, go, you're well able. Look down there and be like, oh, hey, look, that's cool. You know, it's not supposed to be like rhinestone cowboy outfit, right, with the fringes. and all. No, it's there so you'll remember that I gave you rhema and then go do it. So listen, if you got to put, you do uh, any trick that you got to do to remember that you got rhema, write it down, put it on a sticky pad, whatever, get it tattooed on your forehead backwards so when you're in the mirror you can read it. Whatever you got to do to remember what the rhema was to do it, then do that. See, because obviously it don't work just God telling it to us thinking that we'll remember it. 
Because even after he got done telling them, they ran right up there and got killed. So he said, do, do something. Put something on your garments. Do something to help you remember and recall what I told you to do. And why do you do So, get these fringes so that you remember it and do it. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes. Listen, your eyes, remember, were back to sensual wisdom and earthly wisdom. Do you all remember that? Because if you don't remember what God told you to do, your eyes will start taking an input information about all the circumstances that are going on around you. Think about this in the business world, right? Or whatever your job is, there's stuff that you see, and so do not make decisions based on what you see or what's your heart, what you feel. He said, look back down and go, well, what did God tell me to do? What's my rhema? That's how I make my decision. I don't draw back. It's real life, real time. You've got to remember what God... See, but you've got to have settled on the front end what God told you. Otherwise, how could you remember what He said? It's a house of cards if you don't. There's no foundation for you if you didn't get rhema on the front end. If God didn't speak to you, you've got nothing to draw from in the line. You're going to cut and run. And I could tell you this, most people that cut and run, it's because they don't have rhema. The ones that got rhema and cut and run, that's a very small percentage. The ones that don't have spirit-to-spirit communication that they go out there and they just act on the written word because the promise is said and then they jump out there and throw away their medicine and die. Fake faith. Go to the next one. Verse 40, that you may remember, that you may remember. He said, put these fringes on your garments. Do a blue ribbon. That you may remember all my commandments, all my rhema, all my spoken word to you and... Now look what happens when you remember and when you do, it says that you will be what? Holy unto your God. Do you remember what holy was? That you're devoted to a single purpose. If you don't remember what God's mission is for you, you won't be devoted to that mission. Will you? If you don't know that this is God, then you might think, well, I could do this and then that one didn't work out, so then I'll go try this and that one didn't work out, so then I'll go... Before you get in the middle of any of these fights, you've got to know what your purpose is. You've got to be devoted to a single purpose. Remember, if retreat's not an option and surrender's not an option, what's our only option? Win. Because you can't die. We've got the life of Jesus on the inside. We already got past that, right? And you're not going to surrender. We're not going to draw back. We're not going to surrender. We're not going to retreat. So we only have one option. We have to, look, when you remember what the rhema is, it sets you in a position where you're devoted to a single purpose. Winning. Remember what your purpose and your assignment is and that's how you hold the line. Because I'm devoted to winning. No matter what. I don't care how ugly it gets, how much blood is... It don't matter. Bloody nose, flesh wound. Did y'all ever seen that movie, The Holy Grail? Monty Python? Where the guy's standing there, none shall pass! He's like, and he cuts his arm off. So I just cut your arm off. He says, it's nothing but a flesh wound. And then he cuts his other arm off and he's like, come back and fight like a man. He cuts both legs off because I still have my head, I'll headbutt you. Right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. But that's what goes through my mind when I hear that, you know what, I'm devoted to a single purpose. That guy was devoted to none shall pass. It don't matter how bloody this battle gets, I ain't backing off of until I win riches, honor, and life. Until my kids get riches, honor, and life. And my kids' kids get riches, honor, and life. Said, because a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. When I get old, I ain't looking for my kid, my oldest kid, to take care of me and pump me around between the three, and maybe they won't put me in a nursing home. Now, when I get old, my kids' kids will be like, "Hey, grandpa, great grandpa, can I get a new car?" Yeah, what do you want? Maserati. Get out of here. You know the Ferraris better. Right? That's the position that we should... Now, can you imagine that all the people in the body of Christ live like that? Who's coming to who to get problems solved now? Are we looking for government to do it? No. Are we going to do big charity fundraising drives? No. Do I have to get all the NFL stars to, you know, make their little commercials and do their plugs all during Thanksgiving so that I'll give money and hurry up and go to the phone? So the kids will go on exercise for 60 minutes or whatever their little thing is? Right now, see, 
You understand that we should be taking care wherever there's lack, we should just write a check and cover it. Wherever there's sickness, we just lay hands on people and they'll get healed. Go to the next one. This is why, why you recall Rhema. This is why, because this is what Jesus said about it. John 6 and verse 63. He said, it's the Spirit that quickeneth that makes alive. Your Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Your Spirit on the inside of you makes you alive. But your flesh profits nothing. The words, the rhema that I speak to you, said Jesus, they are Spirit and they are life zoe. If you want the life of Jesus to be made manifest in your body, of course we're going to remember what Jesus said to me. He said, because when, when Jesus talks to me, that's what this verse is telling me, when Jesus speaks to me, it's like getting a shot of zoe. It's life. His rhema to me brings life. Zoe, the life that He has. Could we understate how important it is to have spirit-to-spirit communication? No. That's your life. I need Him to tell me stuff. Think about you. Who do you tell stuff to? Do you tell people stuff that you have a relationship with or stuff that people that don't even talk to you? You tell people who have a relationship with, don't you? The people that you talk to are people that you have a relationship with, right? If, nobody, if somebody doesn't talk to you, how much talking are you going to do? Not too much. You're going to be doing a little idle chit-chat, right? How about the weather? Don't mention politics or religion, right? Because you don't have a relationship with them. Right? So why do we think God's going to tell us or Jesus is going to tell us something we don't have a relationship with Him? Now remember all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. If you don't know the written Word, do you know Jesus? If you don't know this written Word, you don't know Jesus, and then Jesus ain't going to talk to you and give you spoken Word. Do y'all remember from this? It all ties back in from the beginning. Remember making our decisions, wisdom, based on the wisdom of the Word. And if you don't make decisions based on the wisdom of the Word, you won't have life, and life doesn't bring peace. The seven parts of peace. It's all the stuff that you've got to remember to stay on the line. It's a long time before you're ready to even get in the fight. If you're not a full-grown dominant son, do you all remember that? You have no business getting on the line. Do we put 15-year-olds in the, in the... No. You've got to be 18 before they even take you. They won't even let you lie about it on your birth certificate anymore, right? When you get in the military, you've got to be 18. We don't put underdeveloped on the line to fight, do we? And if we don't, do you think God's going to? That's why these promises don't just drop on you. That's why you don't, if you don't have them yet, it's because A, you might not be a full-grown son, or B, if you are, you didn't get in the fight. See, but we don't teach that in church because we don't want, we have instant gratification. I want to know what I can do right now to get this stuff. What you can do right now is to work on these nine things. Work on your diligence and your faith and your valor, right? And your knowledge and your self-discipline training plan before you get into the fight. Then you're ready to not draw back. Most people would draw back in a heartbeat. So God says, I'm not going to take you the short way. I'll take you the long way around until you're ready to get in the fight. And then these guys, they still weren't ready, were they? We'd be not able to, to go do it. So God said, are you not fighting? Then they decided, we're going to go fight. And then they died. There's no quick fix. There's no magic pixie dust. There's no, I could say the name of Jesus how many or 15 times and then it, it happens for you. You all following this? So don't be like, wow, just kick the dirt and mad and You know, my kids, they do that, but they don't stop growing up. I'm not going to school anymore. Guess what? They still go. <laughs> Jack was complaining last night because he always has to do stuff, like clean the room and tired of doing stuff. I'm like, dude, you're seven. <laughs> you got a whole long life of doing stuff. I said, do you like to have the puppets in children's church? Yeah. I said, you know what? I have to do stuff for you to do that. And then other people have to come and do stuff for you to see them. Fine. Right? I mean, 
guess what? Today he woke up and had to do stuff. Let's do all the stuff we got to do to get to where we're in the fight. And then once you get in there, we're locked in and don't draw back. But if you, I mean, if you even have a hint of, well, I don't know if I want to get, then don't even get in the fight. Because you know if you draw back, his soul has no pleasure in you. And along the way, though, you'll have little, you'll have little skirmishes. Look, training, he's going to bring some stuff, like David with the lion and the bear before he got to the big one with the Goliath. Recognize those for what they are. They're training fights. He's not taking the training wheels off you yet. But go, you know what? I did that one. And notch it down as a victory. You know what? I did that one. Knock it down as a victory. And the small ones lead to bigger ones. And the bigger ones lead to great ones. Oh, I'm so late. Stand your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. Father, help us with just uh, understanding the workings of this and the workings of the covenant and how we can have these promises show up in our life and how we get to the, be the position of we're, we're the, uh, the head and not the tail. As we understand the workings of this and lay the, the, the foundation and the training program, we're going through all this, that when the fight comes, it will, we'll be ready. And we won't draw back. And we will win the full and perfect reward. I thank you for giving us understanding and wisdom and the know-how and the tools to go out in real life and real time, apply this stuff, and win in life. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.